Um, how many of you guys are like uh, heavy coffee drinkers generally? Like have, you have a coffee a day almost? Uh, if you're not having coffee, have you noticed you're getting like headaches and stuff? Caffeine withdrawal? Yeah? Uh, there's a cafe right out here, right next to our office, and so every morning I smell it, and it, just, it smells like heaven. It smells like uh, after 21 days, what, what would be nice. Okay, uh, Acts chapter 3, and uh, we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 16. And uh, so let's follow along. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer, and a man who had been unable to walk from birth was being carried whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order for him to beg for charitable gifts for those entering the temple grounds. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple grounds, he began asking to receive a charitable gift. But Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, Look at us. And he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not have silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Walk. And grasping him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as being the very one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg for charitable gifts, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the portico named Solomon's, or Solomon's porch, completely astonished. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed of this, or why are you staring at us as though by our own power or godliness uh, we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you handed over and disowned in the presence of uh, Pilate, when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, but put to death to the, to the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in His name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know, and the faith which comes through Him has given Him this perfect health in the presence of you all. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Um, so this man uh, is uh, born in this condition. He, he was birthed uh, uh, disabled or, or, or physically challenged. And uh, he's waiting by this uh, uh, beautiful structure uh, made of Corinthian brass. Uh, historians, uh, uh, you know, uh, outside of the record of the Bible, historians... Uh, recorded by the name of uh, uh, Josephus at this time actually talks about this beautiful gate. It's made out of, uh, you know, uh, they had obviously they had silver and gold, but Corinthian was known for its brass. And so this whole gate was a huge gate uh, structure that was built out of brass and so much so that it was mentioned by other uh, historians or, or people uh, of that time from different regions. Uh, so very noticeable. It was a place where people went uh, to seek uh, healing, miracles, and God. And so this guy would just stand at the gate. He couldn't go in. And it, he knew that there would be people of, of, you know, religious people, people of belief who would go by. And so these were the best people, prime targets to get alms. You know, people who are seeking God, people who are seeking, uh, 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 you know, maybe repentance or, or whatever, just, just seeking God in some form. 
and they would come by, and if they saw a handicapped person out of goodwill or, or uh, uh, you know, merit or something, they might give. And so he was standing there. They would bring him. Uh, Peter and John come on the scene. And what's interesting is uh, they're going, the scriptures tells us that they're going to the temple at the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And so to give you a little bit of context of what's going on, remember in just the previous chapter, chapter 2, just an incredible encounter. The Holy Spirit is poured out. I love how one pastor says it. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's basically the birthplace of Christianity. Before the Holy Spirit and before Jesus' resurrection, you know, uh, Jews who were following and believing in God uh, were referred to as uh, uh, you know, you know, Judaism. It, you know, it's a religion that still exists today. Christianity, the, the movement, the beginning, the impetus of it was at the point where the believers were gathering. Holy Spirit came down. And on that day, the scriptures tells us that, you know, thousands of people were added to their numbers that day. It was, it was this like immaculate, you know, conception, birth, boom, hit with the Holy Spirit. And this whole new movement later, they would be referred to as Christians uh, at, at a later time. But the movement of, of this new uh, wine or these new believers and followers of Jesus happened at the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. So, so it, was the, it was the exciting mark and birth uh, of the church, it was you could you know look at it as the inauguration day of uh, you know Christian history, the inauguration day of missions, uh, thousands saved and added, you know in this spectacular fashion, as the Holy Spirit was poured out and the church was birthed. Uh, so where in chapter three is 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 Peter going? Some scholars thought you know I, I read some and, and they say oh they're going to the temple to still pray and and maybe, but I think they were going to meet with the with the new birthed church. It says that they were in hundreds meeting in, in, you know, in the temple area. And so I think they were going to meet with these new Christians, early Christians gathering in the hundreds at the temple courts. Um, so they were going there to meet them. Uh, the location, which is fascinating, um, uh, where they met was the portico of Solomon, which is, which is what we name our church Solomon's Porch. Uh, our, our church, our theme verse is Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Uh, were at the hands of uh, uh, the apostles, many signs and wonders, and people were being healed, and everyone were, was in one accord. Um, but this place that they were going to meet with these Christians was Solomon's porch, or the portico of Solomon. It was a broad, imagine a broad covered uh, terrace. You may have seen pictures of it with pillars. It's on the back side of the temple. Uh, in the New Testament, Solomon's porch is mentioned three times in John chapter 10, Acts chapter 3, and Acts chapter 5. Um, according to John chapter 10, uh, this is where Jesus did some of his teaching at the portico of Solomon. Um, this is the very place where Jesus says, uh, uh, some scholars propose that Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they will follow me. And it's, just, it's just an incredible connection you know, for a church like us in our DNA where you know, we, one of our, our core values and beliefs is that as believers we can hear from God. We seek after and contend uh, uh, that, that you know, as sheep, it's, it's our birthright. The moment we're saved, we have a birthright to hear from God. Uh, the scriptures tells us that my sheep hear my voice. You know, we wouldn't be here uh, as believers had not God conveyed to us in some way, form, or shape, whether, whether it was audible or uh, an impression or scriptures or in the spirit. Uh, and so this is where Jesus gave that uh, message. And it's here in Acts chapter 3 that Peter is, is preaching this sermon. He's talking to the same crowd and group who just... You know, moments ago, 
was hailing Jesus as their new king. And then just a page after that was saying crucify him. And they didn't even, they didn't even skip a heartbeat. You know, it's like Jesus died. You know, they, they praised him. They crucified him. He resurrected. They didn't, they didn't skip a heartbeat. They go continue on with life as if nothing happened. And then Peter and John come up on the scene filled in the Holy Spirit, proclaiming the kingdom, people getting healed. And they're amazed, like, wow, what is this? As if some new movement, as if some new thing, as if nothing that, that happened in the last few months had any effect on them. And, the, and, and Peter and John, and Peter comes up and gives a sermon and says, hey man, this is the same man, the same power, the same God by which uh, people are being healed. And they, and they are quick to designate and to acknowledge that this healing and this power and this glory uh, is from God. Um, Acts chapter 5, 12, we'll get there another time, but it was the first regular meeting place for the church. Uh, uh, Solomon's portico was, was you know, uh, uh, potentially the first meeting place of the early church. All the believers used to meet together, in, or not, I'm sorry, uh, together in Solomon's colonnade. Um, it says that the man was birthed was this, with this uh, uh, deformity, um, or disability and so they would put him there every morning or every day uh, so three quick takeaways this morning um, and I mentioned yesterday uh, um, and, and, this, and I know this can be a bit confusing right? because there, you know, if you've ever heard a sermon or if you've ever heard a Bible study or a teacher and so sometimes you'll hear someone say pray submissively right? pray like without a will you know, get your will out of the way and pray God, you know, that will be done. And that's, that's correct. And that's accurate. Okay, and you should pray in that way. And then you'll hear, you know, even from this pulpit and from Solomon's Porch, but sometimes then you've got to pray with confidence. You've got to just declare and proclaim out and, and, and pray the will of God to be done. And, and, you know, and seek His will. And, 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 and so here, uh, you know, they're boldly praying out in Jesus' name, be healed. And that's also accurate. And so I don't think you have, there has to be this disconnect or this confusion or, so do I pray this way or this way? It's both. In the same prayer, you could pray the same thing. In the same prayer, you can say, God, I absolutely believe and I have absolute confidence and I pray in the name of Jesus, by the, by the blood of Christ, by your stripes we're healed. And I, and I you know, pray against this infirmity. I pray you know, complete healing you know, in faith. We thank you in advance. And I use that type of language and I, and I pray that. And in that same prayer, and then, I, and then I can say at the very end, and Lord, I completely submit myself to you. I completely trust in your will. I completely trust what you're doing. And, and so it's, it's, it's okay to pray those prayers. They're, they're not, you know, uh, 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 you know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. And so in this case, you see a, a bold proclamation, a declaration, you know, in faith. And, and, and Peter and John go up to him and say, you know, silver and gold we do not have. Uh, but in the name of Jesus, you know, walk, get up. And the man is instantly healed. Um, we can pray in both ways. Uh, you know, I would encourage you to pray in both ways. Um, consider the condition of this person. Uh, he's in a place where all he really wanted was to be supported in his condition. Right? I mean, he has this ailment. And he just, you know, he's in a position where he just wants to get by. He just wants to be supported. And God has a completely other agenda planned for him. Doesn't want him just to get by, but wants to completely transform him, completely touch him, completely bring him new life. Uh, 
you know, where, where in our lives are there places where we've just kind of come to this place and said, well, you know, this is good enough. You know, whether it's our marriage, whether it's relationships, uh, where we've just figured out that, you know, there are ways to get around it. You know, holiness, you know, purity, uh, areas in your life that, the, that you know the Lord has better or, or the best, and we've sort of compromised and settled. Uh, you know, my, my, my encouragement to you guys this morning is to seek the Lord and to contend and pray. You know, allow others to pray for you. Allow others to pray over you. Um, you know, to not, to not settle. And, and, and not, not settle in the sense of, like, you know, material comforts or things like that. But, but there is, there is a, a, a relational dynamic. There, there is an intimacy. Like, you know, if, if you've ever wondered, like, you know, sometimes, you know, I used to do this when I was much younger. I, I would look at other Christians or other believers and I would say, wow, there's something about that person. And, you know, they seem to have such favor or, or the way they pray, you know, I, I would like to have that type of intimacy in prayer. Or it just seems like this person has a testimony, you know, coming out of this person like every month and, you know, every week and such. And, and so to not settle when it comes to, you know, our, our sort of place and relationship with where, where we are with God. To absolutely believe, to absolutely uh, have confidence that there's a, a deeper connection, that there's a deeper dynamic in our relationship. Jesus wants to not just help you get by in life. He's just not, you know, Jesus isn't just a ticket so one day we'll be in heaven. You know, the promise of the scriptures is that we would have life and life abundantly here and now. And that means that the presence of God invades our lives and that we're impacted in such a way that our very, you know, worldview, the way we see things and the way we perceive things begins to be transformed. And in so doing, as we see things in the light that God sees them, you know, there's this peace. It's not the job promotion. It's not the, you know, finding the, the relationship. It's not, you know, having children. Those things are all blessings. And, and I pray all those blessings on everyone. But that's not what's going to bring you peace. You can have a family. You can have children. You can have the greatest promotion and still be sunk in your heart. And still be desperate and still be lost. And so the, the greatest gift is, you know, again, you know, this, this presence and this power of God in our lives. Um, Jesus didn't come just to give you heaven one day. He came to bring the virtues, the values, the peace and the joy of heaven for you now. I mean, think about that for a second. As we're waiting to go to heaven one day in paradise, Jesus is offering to you, but hey, would you like to experience that right now? Would you like to have the joy of heaven, the peace of heaven? Right? The, 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 the love of heaven in your life now. I mean, whatever situation and scenario you're in now, no, no, whatever vices, whatever difficulties, whatever, whatever strife in relationships, whatever is causing you stress, whatever is causing you anxiety or worry, can you imagine that God just like, like His finger just comes on you, boom, you know, touches you, completely changes your perception, uh, uh, you know, how you see things and how you receive things and how you hear things and how you feel things. And all of a sudden, your very life, I mean, just your very life that hasn't changed anything circumstantially, all of a sudden you're walking in joy. You're walking in peace. You're walking in love. And all of a sudden there's gratitude and thanksgiving. That's, that's supernatural. That's the kingdom of God living out in you. And that's the promise that God makes. Right? And I think, I think far too often we settle. We settle. We got one foot in the world, and we got one foot in heaven, and we're waiting for this 
you know, transference or transaction one day. And I guess for now, we just got to, you know, do the daily grind. And that's not at all what God had intended for us. God intends that every person that calls upon his name would be healed and transformed and would experience the kingdom of God. And where one or two or three of us um, come into alignment or come to that revelation, then you have a community of a people, of a, a kingdom of God in which we're walking in that, in that same light. Uh, God does not simply want to support whatever condition you're in. Imagine, he, you know, he's not just a respirator. He's not just life support. He came to bring you out of the hospital bed and to give you life and to give you life abundantly. Amen? Amen? That, that's exciting, right? And so that's what we're you know, contending for. Um, a couple quick points and then, and then we'll close. Uh, uh, you know, Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Walk. Uh, this is just a great reminder that the world doesn't need the, the, the church's money. The, the church's money should be used charitably and should be used for the community to serve. Absolutely, yes. But if as a church we stop there, if as a missions committee or if as a board or as a house church, all, you know, our conclusion is let's, let's just get some money together and let's send it to some charities or some people who have a need. If that's all we do, that, I mean, we're, we're, we're missing out completely on the activity of God. I mean, this is a clear example that the church does not need, the, uh, sorry, the world does not need just the money of the church. What they need is the mercy of God or the mercy of the church represented, rep- representative of the love and the favor of God. We need to go out there and we need to pray for people. We need to go out there and we need to minister to people. We can't just send uh, 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 you know, bank statements or, or, or you know, cold cash. We have to send people, relationships, the human touch, you know, mission trips, uh, outreaches. We have to go out there and be you know, physical and present. People are, are seeking God and, and they may not even know they're seeking God. And, and each one of us in that way, you know, just to be reminded, you know, for every season that comes around, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and, uh, you know, we, we, as a church, we kind of gear up and let's give. And, and, you know, let Solomon's Porch not be known for just a church that has money and, and we give to, you know, these really great causes. But let Solomon's Porch be known for people who are out there on the field, you know, in, in our community serving, you know, in the, in the um, uh, 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 migrant workers' dormitories, uh, uh, neighboring cities like Batam and and, and, and these things, and let this be the mark of the church. Amen? Right? I mean, what a beautiful uh, uh, representation of the love of God if the people of God are out there serving and giving, touching and healing. Right? A man or a woman touched by the move in the Spirit of God, life transformed, you know, to some degree, maybe we helped physically, you know, immaterially, but eternally completely transformed. I mean, how incredible is that? And we each have that capacity and that opportunity to do that. Oh, we're, we're, and we're doing far more than just going to these places and supplying some crafts and activities for a weekend. Man, God is changing lives. You know, young children who don't even know it then, you know, who will grow up in this context, in this community, whose parents didn't have that opportunity because you're going there on a regular basis. And then they grow up in, you know, in, in faith and, and become future teachers, Bible study teachers, future pastors. And it's just an incredible work. Whole communities and cities and neighborhoods will be impacted you know, by that handful of us that are going out. Um, and so that's just, just a great reminder this morning. Um, lastly, I'll just say this. Uh, you know, in, in, in spiritual terms, in spiritual terms, uh, we, we are this crippled 
Yeah, I'm just, I'm just using the language of the of the scriptures. You know, this this lame, crippled uh, beggar. We're the ones who are outside this beautiful gate. We're the ones that that you know desire and hope and wish that someone would bring us in. We're the ones who are just kind of getting by with life, and then Jesus comes and says, "I I can." I can touch your life in such a way where you can enter into this beautiful gate and enter into the presence or the kingdom of God. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He came to each and every single one of us. And he came and says, you know, money and silver and all the comforts, you know, maybe, maybe not, but don't worry about those things. Look at me. Look at me. I can transform your life. I can bring you healing and peace emotionally, spiritually, and eternally. And Jesus is saying, take my hand. And when we take his hand in faith, he pulls us up and then he brings us into his kingdom. And we give him praise and we give him glory. Amen. Let's close on that this morning. Uh, it's really significant this, this meeting place where the first church, early church met at Solomon's uh, portico the very beginning stages and uh, in the previous chapter it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and breaking bread and prayer they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread from the very inception so from the very beginning of this facility you know, without a facility, open court, organic, living church, they were practicing these key elements. And so my charge for you guys this morning, uh, in, in light of this as well, uh, is to commit. Can I, can I charge you and challenge you to commit to your house churches this year? To really commit in a way you haven't committed in the past. Um, to really... You know, believe that God has instituted these vital uh, practices of devoting ourselves to the scriptures, the teachings, to the fellowship, which is one another, and to the breaking of bread or, or the breaking of soup for the next you know, couple weeks. And really believe, have this belief in you, have this thought in you that every time I come together to meet in my house church is an opportunity for God to speak into my life. In one way, shape, or another. Right? Whether through the sermon, whether through the leader, whether, whether through someone's prayer. In one way, whether through divine revelation. Right? Maybe not through the sermon, maybe not through your leader, maybe not through someone's prayer. But just by, by being there in proximity, in the presence of God's people, God gives you a revelation. God lifts the veil. Simply because you showed up. And so have this attitude and belief in you that if you take a step of faith, that God will honor that step of faith. And that he'll meet you in that place. I absolutely believe that if you make room this year in a way that you haven't made room before. That if you expand, if you stretch yourself. That God will meet you and will occupy that space. As, as much a space as you're willing to create. I believe that God will come and occupy that space. And so then it's on you. The, the ball's in your court. You then have to decide how big or how small or how little or how large you want to make room for. And I absolutely believe that our 
heavenly Lord who resurrected and outpoured his spirit on his church in, in the early church, you know, meeting here in, in the Solomon's colonnade or Solomon's porch is the same God yesterday, today, the same forever. And so, Father, I just thank you, Lord. And I just pray, Jesus, for each of us here this morning, God, that you would speak to us in the spirit, God, that you would. It's almost like we're like, you know, waking up from a long sleep in some regard, not, not a bad sleep, but just a long sleep. Lord, and, and we're coming to this revelation. Oh, yeah, man, this, this is what I was made for. You know, I was made to be in community. I was made to be in the presence of God. I was made to be in fellowship. And I do want more of this. I, Pastor Sam, thanks. But you don't have to convince me anymore. This, this is why God made me. This is why we're here. And so, Father, I pray that you would just continue to awaken our hearts spiritually. Thank you for this fast, God. Thank you. That we're, we're, we're taking out some distractions, Lord, and, and focusing on you so that you can remind us once again how much you love us, how precious your love is, and how great it is when we come together to love one another. We thank you, God. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.